welcome to our little bonus edition of episode two of Retrosonic Podcast. And um, those of you that have followed the, the pod since we started will know that we're doing a series of interviews with rock photographer Paul Slattery. And good evening, Paul. Good evening. Um, Sorry about the uh, fire spitting away as per usual. Yeah, the hottest day of the year, and yet we've got the log fire going. <laughs> I mean, it's because... cold at night, it's cold at night, you see. You're an old man like me, you know, cold in the bones. Yeah. And we're joined Hot in, um, the heart. in the pod by Adam as well from the Jetsonics, who's uh, with us. And so in the first episode, Paul, we talked about your uh, first adventures into rock photography, so starting off in the glamorous halls of North London Poly, taking pictures of your... Geography field trips and, uh, <laughs> and uh, for, for the local rag, and then um, suddenly you're confronted by Dr. Feelgood on the Naughty Rhythms tours, and mm. uh, we talked about the pub rock era, uh, the Pirates and uh, Flaming Groovies, and what got you really inspired by rock and roll. Mm. And now in this episode, we can probably talk about your first professional job and the first stirrings of punk rock. So you've gone from Dr. Feelgood, and then there's this, must have been this sort of change, you could probably sense the change in, some, in the music scene. Yeah, there was a bit of a change, there was a bit of a change, and I um, ended up uh, finishing my degree at Northampton Poly in the summer of 76, and then uh, there was certainly things going on in London um, that uh, made me want to stay, there were things uh, 3,000 miles away that made me want to go there even more, which was a uh, nice warm summer on Cape Cod and uh, the 200th anniversary of the founding of the United States, and I knew that was going to be a big party. Mm. And uh, uh, I'd, I'd had some invites, and I thought, hey, if you're invited to one of the biggest parties in the world, you can't turn it down, can you? So, so you, let you moved... Over to America then. So you, did you miss? Did you saying that you missed the first wave of punk? I did. You? I did. I did as a photographer because I hadn't really then decided about being a rock photographer. I hadn't. I hadn't thought that that was a the career path that I wanted to choose. And um, for me, it was going to be going to the States, hanging out for the summer in Cape Cod and working on Cape Cod for the summer. And uh, I'm glad I did that. I got, uh, there was certainly, uh, I got messages back, as you would do by uh, by pigeon and bottle (laughs) (laughs) in those days, (laughs) Uh, by steamship. Um, somebody used to uh, come close to land and uh, throw me a letter every so often (laughs) (laughs) saying "Ah, there's a great band that's just played at the 100 Club called the Sex Pistols and the Clash I'm going "Mm, yeah well they sound pretty good actually Mm. and uh, eventually um, we were getting the records and they, they, they they were sounding superb so had you picked up on any of the the, the sort of New York punk, the CBGB's stuff yeah. when you, while you were over there? Had you been well, into Manhattan to see any of the bands I there? I didn't get into Manhattan, but I was I was up close to Boston on the Cape, and uh, the great thing about the Cape is is that it attracts a lot of people, young, young kids from New York. So they were coming out and bringing their records, and these parties were going on on a... In the eve uh, on uh, on weekend evenings, and uh, people were playing the Ramones. First time I heard the Ramones mm. uh, in the, was the summer of seventy six. One two three four. 
I couldn't believe that a band could actually play that quickly. Mm. So were, were the Ramones that the, say the band, the first band that you heard that you would say was a punk band that you you you, you felt there was a changeover in the music scene at the time? And was that the one that was that what inspired you to sort of look look for the new music at the time? Well, yeah. I mean, I've always I, I when you're a music fan, you're a music fan, and and you know in nineteen. 19- in 1976, I wasn't, I wasn't 18, I was 26. Mm. I was, I mean, most punks would have thought I was middle-aged. Yeah. I mean, I looked That's middle-aged right. at the time, I had long hair. <laughs> you don't now. <laughs> I don't now. I was, <laughs> have I still got hair? You're yes. younger than us, didn't you? <laughs> but, Bastard. um, <laughs> <laughs> I, th- I, th- think I'd always been a music fan and even now even in um, 2012 I want to hear what's going on now Mm. this is what's interesting me I love what's gone on before but I want to know what's going on now Mm. in the genres of music uh, I want to listen to and Mm. for me I've always liked rock and roll and the Ramones are as rock and roll as you can possibly get yeah yeah so when you came back to the UK you were I guess you were confronted by this new music. Mm. Um, yeah, it was the how, spring of 77. So which was the first punk band you saw? Well, I came back and the first band I saw was actually Elvis Costello. Oh, it's so funny to be seeing you after so long, girl. And with the way you look, I understand that you and I... I went down to the Nashville. Must have been about April 77. And uh, Elvis was playing a solo gig backed up by The Rumour. He hadn't got the well, attraction. Brian Parker's band. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. right. Yeah. He hadn't got Bob Andrews on, on keyboard. And he hadn't got the attractions together by then. But he mm. went through the whole gamut of his first album, Alison, and all all mm. the rest of those songs, and he was fantastic. I thought, well, this this guy's a great singer songwriter. I, uh, is this punk? I didn't know what it was, but it sounded mm. pretty good to me. And then Elvis continued that summer. He did a residency at the Nashville. Uh, he played every. He played once a month for the next three or four months, mm, mm. and his gigs became more and more popular. And the second, yeah, by by June he'd got the uh, he'd got the um, attractions together. Mm. Um, Bruce Thomas and Steve Naive. Bruce Thomas, brilliant bass player, absolutely brilliant. Absolutely yeah. brilliant bass player. Of course, the great thing about the Nashville was. Um, yeah. It was it was just a mecca of uh, it was the mecca of, of West London yeah. uh, that you could go uh, and see um, bands. Mm. You see and so, bands every night of the week. Didn't you you see bands every night of the week, and so I guess the first band I really saw that was a so-called punk band was the Adverts. Yeah. 
they came on, gay advert in a little leather jacket with nothing on underneath. Oh dear, I, I just, I mean, every, she was so cool. She was yeah, so cool was. on stage, believe me. There was these guys down the front. Um, God almighty. Yeah. You know, and she was just so cool on stage, I couldn't believe it. Uh, TV Smith, great front man. Yeah. Howard. Oh, they, that was a wonderful band. That was a really, really superb band. And, of course, backstage at that gig, who was there? But Lemmy. Lemmy, yeah. Lemmy was there. Uh, that was Ooh. the first time I'd met Lemmy. And Lemmy and I had a chat, and then after that gig, he said, fancy coming out for a drink? So I said, hmm, can't refuse really, can you? Oh, it's great, because the adverts are a good band, aren't they? And we saw um, TV Smith solo last year at the Signal Gallery, where Gay Advert, who's now an artist, was exhibiting some of her art. And uh, she still looks great as well, and he does, and they're, they're both... And you've got some of Gay's it. art on your wall now, here, yes, Steve. Yes, yes. Good. I, I am an art connoisseur now. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's quite interesting. Or an art buff. An art buff. Am I a buff or a connoisseur? <laughs> yeah. Or am I a connoisseur in the buff? But let's hope not. That's not a thought. Let's not go there. But she's, she's a great artist now as well, and, and TV Smith, of course, is still touring. I mean, in fact, he's probably now in. He's in. He's touring with the UK subs at the moment. I think. Um, well, I hope we can see him when they comes. When, he, when they come back to the UK. Definitely. But certainly, I. It was it, for me. I mean, going out with Lemmy that night was a truly eye-opening experience <laughs> because I thought, if this is rock and roll, I'll want some. <laughs> <laughs> and Lemmy, Lemmy was the master of late-night bars in West London. Of course, this is at the time before late opening. You know, yes. all the pubs shut at 11 back in those days. Don't forget that. Or 10.30. Yeah, or 10.30. 10 and so Lemmy was going, hey, Slats, I know where there's this fantastic Spanish bar in Westbourne Grove. <laughs> okay, oh, my God. Or we'd drink in the Earl of Lonsdale in the upstairs bar with the doors shut mm. in this little coterie of, like... Rock people up there, and everybody come up says, "Oh, hi, Lemmy. Hi, Lemmy. How are you doing?" <laughs> it's fantastic. And Lemmy's got, "Oh, this is this person, so that's that person." So that's it. Lemmy was was a great, a great guy and um, a very friendly guy too. Mm. And uh, we became uh, we became re- very good friends uh, um, uh, subsequently. Mm. And I photographed Motorhead many many times after that. And uh, Went to see loads of their gigs, and they were, uh, well, just a, yeah. a superb, hardcore band. They were definitely honorary punks at the time. Even oh, though they, they were. weren't a yes, punk they band. Were, they were de- there, there was no stigma in no. liking Motorhead. So were you photographing bands at the time you met Lemmy? I mean, had you come back 
to England to take yeah, up I'd photograph. Yeah, I was. I, I'd come back to the UK. I was doing part-time jobs, but I was going to gigs virtually four or five nights a week. I suddenly realised that this is what I want to do. I wasn't making any money out of it. Um, I was. I got a little dark room together in the place I was living, and uh, uh, I'd been giving a few pictures to my. Um, uh, I, I've been taking a few pictures up to Sounds and the Enemy, and uh, not really getting anywhere mm. too quickly. Uh, maybe when I look back at those pictures, uh, I can see why, because they were pretty crap prints, quite <laughs> honestly. And uh, I, I, I had, you know, I was completely self-taught. I didn't know what a good print looked like, and um, uh, but uh, I was learning. So what pictures were you taking to these music magazines at the well, time? What the, bands were you taking pictures yeah, of? Well, the, the, any, anything that I thought was interesting, I was taking the pictures up to, uh, uh, you know, once or twice, once a week or once a fortnight, I'd go into town. Well, when I, before a gig, I'd go into uh, see the secretaries at Sounds and uh, at uh, the NME and say, oh, here's a few pictures you know maybe you can use them in your review section and I just Mm. felt well sooner or later if I keep battering away maybe they might use some and um, sure enough that's what happened suddenly you know a a picture of mine I, I got a copy of sounds one day and suddenly there was a there was a picture of um, of uh, the damned in there. Which that was the first picture you had published. Yeah, it was a picture of um, it was a picture of Dave Vanian, which I took backstage at the Sundown in Charing Cross Road in 1977. In the in the uh, late summer of 1977, I took a great picture of uh, Dave Vanian and uh, a great picture of uh, Gay Advert, might I add. And uh, I suppose, but things even after that didn't go particularly well I thought well you know I'd get a lot of work after that and uh, I thought oh yeah you know I was so elated by having a picture used but then um, uh, I went into sounds I was I was taking all these pictures of you know what I thought were pretty cutting edge bands bands like Penetration No, 
nobody had been writing about in sounds. Mm. And I, 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 I'd, I've been to see them at the Vortex supporting the Heartbreakers. How good was that? How good was that? Johnny Thunder, born to lose. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, how, how I ever got down the front, I do not know. Because all my, I, 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 but I, I can tell you that uh, I think there's one of my pictures of Johnny Thunders from that gig that night that's in focus. Yeah, it was impossible. I mean, there was no pit, and of course the vortex was tiny and it was mm. absolutely packed with punks, and it was so difficult to focus mm. then. Oh, you yeah. know, with a manual camera, it's not like now when you could have. You know, used a 150mm lens with an autofocus digital. You know, you would have got fantastic well, pictures. Limited to a roll of film. And yeah, that. well, I'm that sure was it's expensive as well. Well, it was. It? it was expensive, and uh, it was expensive, and then you had to you had to think about all the expense of all that. And actually, you know, it's a physical task to develop it, dry it, print it. You need all that space to do it, but. Um, penetration. I met Penetration, and uh, this is a, a young punk band from uh, Ferry Hill in County Durham. And I got to know Pauline Murray um, pretty well over the next year and a half. Mm. And uh, they were. Pauline was an extremely friendly person, mm. and Robert. Blamire, the uh, the bass player, were, they they were lovely, absolutely lovely people, and uh, they were a great great live band yeah, too. Pretty underrated band, I think, from that era. Wasn't quite they? complex music, quite, yeah, quite a high quite, standard of musicianship. Yes, they were. They they seem, they always seemed like they were trying to break yeah. out, didn't they? And uh, a good band. They were. I, th- I think they could have. You know, they could have got a lot further. Uh, I think their ideas were really. Ahead of their time, and uh, they were signed up by Virgin. Weren't they? they were, they were mm. signed up by Virgin, and uh, I don't think Virgin really, really made the best of them. Quite honestly, um, I thought their first album when it came out, their first album was kind of a bit overproduced, really. Mm. Uh, although. Their first single that come out, I think also in version, Don't Dictate, had, had been less produced, quite quite honestly. But uh, they were they were a really great band and um, a great band who 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 really fired up the the audience. Mm. And Pauline Murray. What a great singer! Yeah. What a really superb singer! And, so, were you uh, working for at the time? Again, were you just freelance, taking pictures into the papers, or had anyone given you a full-time job as as a photographer at the time? No, I'd never had a job. I'd never. I was just. Um, I was basically going to gigs four or five nights a week and uh, driving. Uh, Furniture delivery vans part time for Bentles. Okay, <laughs> during the daytime, just to make it, just to make a crust. So it's great to to be able to just do, 
you know, three days or four days a week because I needed a day to develop films and stuff like that. But I was living from hand. It was a hand-to-mouth existence. Were you having to pay to get in with the gigs or were you managing to Well, I, uh, it was... I tell you what, one of the things I learned, I mean, I was... Even, even though I wasn't making a cent out of anything and uh, even though um, I wasn't a recognised rock photographer at all, uh, Brian, who ran in Nashville, started letting me in there pretty pretty early, and uh, I got to learn how to um, get in touch with press people and things like that, so you could yeah. get in for free. Because um, even though it wasn't, you know, it cost a, a pound or something to get, yeah. it didn't cost fifty p some fifty p some nights. Yeah, <laughs> really, that that was quite honestly that was quite a lot of money. Yeah, it was quite a lot of money because you know. A film when I had to I had to buy a film or a couple of films, then develop it, and then buy the paper and the chemicals. Yeah. I had to add, do all that stuff and find the place to do it all. It wasn't easy. It wasn't easy to do all that stuff. And um, you know, I was God knows how I how I really survived the first year, I suppose, because I was young and uh, I had a vision. Uh, and that's it. And mm. I think I think a vision, having a vision, goes a long way, really. So now we're coming up to sort of the the end of nineteen seventy seven. Um, well, that was a great end of nineteen seventy seven. Yeah. I must admit, for me, it was a, it was a fantastic end of nineteen seventy seven because for me, I saw two of the greatest bands you could ever possibly see at the end of nineteen seventy seven. I saw I th- around. Uh, the middle of December that year, I went down to Bruno University and uh, saw the Sex Pistols for the first and only time I ever saw them play a live gig. stage by Steve Jones. Oh, yeah. <laughs> there were so many people jumping around me. Steve fetched his hand down and just said, oh, get up on the side of the stage, mate. Yeah, because you your know. pictures are from the, yeah. from the side, aren't they? That's like, right. Like, at, the start, at, the, at the beginning, they start down the front and then they they, uh, they, they end up at the side because it was just mad down the front. Mm. It really mm. was. Mm. And then, um, well, I ended up at um, the uh, New Year's Eve gig... Uh, the Ramones New Year's Eve gig at the Rainbow. Oh, the legendary one, wasn't it? The yeah. legendary uh, Rainbow gig, which... That must uh, have been quite something. Well, it was. Ooh. It was. And that, of course, was the first time I'd ever seen the Ramones. Is that the one that they recorded for It's Alive? That's right. It is. Yeah, it's that. It is. It is. Yeah. It's that It's that gig. Probably less than a roll of pictures. Hmm. Uh, of Joey uh, holding his uh, placard that says Gabba Gabba Hey on one side and Happy New Year on the other yeah. side. You know? <laughs> it's fantastic. But what, I'm being on the side of the stage at a Ramones gig? Oh, my God, it was, it was, it was just amazing. I thought, oh, my God, I still, I still really have only sold one 
rock photo and yeah I'm standing on the side of the stage at a Ramones gig <laughs> you know what's happening yeah. what's happening I'm starting to sort of get into places yeah uh, you know not particularly because I knew anybody but just through um, mm. just because I wanted to just because I wanted to and, and 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 quite honestly if you if you wanted to you could do it yeah there wasn't anything to stop you from doing it and so that was good. So, seventy-seven ended on a very high note. Quite honestly, mm. getting some great live pictures of the Ramones and uh, and the Sex Pistols was fantastic. And then, of course, um, nineteen seventy-eight started, yeah. and um, I, you, might, you must have been at the same gig as me, early seventy-eight. Yeah, yeah which we, one? We, we spoke about it another time in the. Uh, the Nashville, the rich kids. Oh, the rich kids at the Nashville. Yeah, I was there. That was, that I was, was that gig. That was my first gig on my own without my mum or anything. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, I, I have. Than you. I have photographs of that gig. Yeah. Oh, I'd love to see. It. Yeah, yeah, Maybe I'm in there. Yeah, yeah, you could be. <laughs> You could be. Yeah, you might be there. It's amazing. I mean, I've hearing shown... over the front of the barrier. You know. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I've shown pictures to uh, people later after I've taken them and said, oh, yeah, that's me down front. Yeah. In fact, somebody saw a picture of mine of um, the Pogues playing a gig in, at the Ace in Brixton and um, he was down the front, some guy from Dublin, and he bought, you know, 20 years later he became an extremely rich businessman and bought a huge, great picture of me yeah. for a lot of money, you know. <laughs> oh, that was me when I was a pissed-up young Dubliner, yeah, in London. We well, sort know. of wonder what happens to some of these people you see in those early punk gigs yeah. in the crowd, and you wonder what happened to them, don't you? And I love that scene, I don't know if you've ever seen it, where there's a clash playing up at the, um, I think, the one of the Free Trade Hall or Leicester Trade Hall in Manchester, and you can see a young Mick Hucknall right at the front, of the Clash gig, you yes. know, and he hasn't changed, you know. So, we're looking here now at your photographer's notebook, and yeah. um, this is a historical artefact here, because you're looking at 1978, yeah. and some of the bands that you photographed. So do yeah. you want to read through... Well, it's just some of the bands that, some are, that uh, I went to in 1978 was... Uh, Robert Gordon and Link Ray, The Vibrators, The Adverts, Patti Smith, The Only Ones, Jonathan Richmond, The Count Bishops, The Specials, Talking Heads, The Dickies, The Runaways, The Lurkers, wow. The Ramones, The Members. Gosh. That's yeah, dream, yeah. I mean, this is so just... The, spe a the Specials were playing. Yeah, right? the, specials, yeah. the Specials were playing in 78. Yeah, oh, they... 78. Yeah, oh, that's yeah. right. Yeah, they they had actually supported The Clash. Uh, at, oh. uh, uh, of course, yeah, I haven't written The Clash there, but of course The Clash were right in there. Because yeah, yeah. I'd, seen, I'd seen my first Clash gig in 77. Yeah. And then 78, of course, was the uh, Victoria Park gig. Yeah. The... Oh, the Carnival against the Nazis. That was an amazing gig. I went there and took photographs of the whole crowd there. I've got all that. I've got all those pictures. And um, not only that, but I got pictures of um, of the whole procession walking from central London all the way to um, uh, all the way to Victoria Park in Hackney because I was a very politically, very politically motivated person, and I thought, you know, punk 
punk kind of fitted in with my political ideals, really, mm. which were kind of um, left-wing, but with a bit of spliff and alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> Very political. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, what's wrong well, with that? You, know, that a, you mean you were literally, yeah, yeah. Yeah. literally leaning to the left. <laughs> yeah, well, we would yeah. literally lean to yeah. the left, but but the, no. what's wrong with that? There's, you know. Yeah. So you took the, where did you take the Runaways? Did they, did they play over in London? Aren't they did. They the Runaways played in London. Yeah, I've got pictures of the Runaways. They were they were fantastic to go to the Runaways gig was. Was superb oh, and yeah. live. They were they were Joan Jett. Yeah, I remember talking to her afterwards. I mean, she was she she couldn't believe the reception they got in London. I'm not surprised. It was uh, it was yeah. it was incredible. I, personally, I like Lita Ford. Yeah, 1978. I went to oh. see the Skids at the Red Cow yeah, in yeah, Hammersmith. Yeah. Right. What a gig that was. What a great band. Yeah. What a great band. One mm. absolutely great band. Mm. Yeah. You can be, they were, uh, God, one night, it was, it was a summer night at, at the Red Cow's tiny little room, baking hot. My camera was steaming up and the band stripped to the waist. Stripped to the bloody waist. The lot of Unbelievable. Yeah. Richard Johnson jumping all over the place. Uh, it was it was a truly fantastic. Stuart must have been quite dangerous being a photographer with the skids because he used to do that strange dance, didn't he, Richard Johnson? Yeah. Like kicking his feet. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. He must have had your camera knocked out. It's quite dangerous in the audience as well. <laughs> so. right. Well, of course, one of the skids songs was called "Scared to Dance," yeah. you know, and I could understand why because he'd probably written that gig at the. At the red cow, you know, he's scared of that. Yeah. I think, I think the red cow. The thing was, of course, is that the room was very short. It was very, yeah. it wasn't very high. So I think Richard Johnson, he loved doing a bit of a pogo dance, and he ended up butting the roof through. I think at the red cow. <laughs> they were a nice band. We we mm. went. When we were still at school, we went to see them at the marquee, mm. and we only had money for the night bus home. Right, and they were in the chip shop around the corner. Remember the chip shop around the corner? Yeah, the marquee, <laughs> and uh, they were in there, and we asked them for a chip, and we told them we only didn't have enough money for chips, but only to get home. So they bought us all a bag of chips. Oh, oh, that's a nice little story. Skids yeah. brought us a bag of, a bag of chips. chips. Oh, dear. <laughs> <laughs> sort of venues were you going to at the time so we, you mentioned the Nashville and the, the Vortex uh, well, did you ever go to the Roxy did you ever go no I never went to the Roxy no? it was a bit before my time the Roxy had finished you, in you banned? 77 no you no I never Roxy. got okay. never got banned from any venue the Red Cow in Fulham well the Red Cow no the Red Cow it was uh, Hope and Anchor oh the Hope and Anchor did the Hope and Anchor saw the police and Elvis Costello uh, play at the Hope and Anchor and a few other bands um, uh, later on. I'll tell you about another band I saw there. But uh, that was a great venue, although it was like North London, like a lot of the gigs I was going to, like the Music Machine, where, where I'd seen the UK subs play um, in late 78, and uh, which became their home in 79, quite mm. honestly. <laughs> Thank you.
the Nashville Dingwalls. Dingwalls. Dingwalls still in the. Was that in Camden? Was that still? Well, Dingwalls. Dingwalls was was. a a great place where you could go and see all kinds of different bands. You never knew who was going to be on there. Even funny little boozers would would have proper gigs on, wouldn't they? They would. Yeah, the Kensington. The Kensington, the the Greyhound and the Fulham Palace Road. So was it... um, It must have been quite strange, because last year we met... um, Charlie Harper, and mm. then we met Paul Slack, who was the original mm. bass player of the Subs, who's now with Monica and the Explosion. And um, the first time I'd you seen hadn't seen him for, for what thirty years. Thirty years, yeah, yeah. I hadn't seen either of them for thirty uh, years. So you were, so you, it must have been strange because you know you're taking pictures of them back then. I, I, you probably couldn't have imagined they'd still be playing music in the. 30s well, they and probably 80s. couldn't imagine I was still taking pictures either. <laughs> yeah, <that's laughs> right. Yeah. So. I I think the great thing about rock and roll is that um, it's ageless. It doesn't matter how old you are, whether you're a fan or whether you're a musician or a photographer. It just does not matter. You just get in there and you do what you want to do. It's Uh, not so generational because everybody alive now has really grown up with it. Yeah. Which is, it's different... uh, you know, in the fifties, people hadn't grown up with it, and there was a there, there weren't any <laughs> such thing as teenagers in the forties. Well, I don't. I, I mean, don't don't I know it? Mm. Don't I know it? Because don't you think that for us, for us, I'm slightly younger than you two, and I, as you can tell, only fucking slightly. <laughs> <laughs> but don't you think that um, there's the funny thing about music, isn't it that? As a teenager, you were obsessed by it. I was obsessed by it. Mm. But then you go through a little bit of a phase, yeah. you know, when you get responsibilities, you, you get a bit, you get a job, and then you sort of disappear a little bit off the scene. And then you get to a certain age, and you think, no, no, what? No, it's what I love. Yeah. And the great thing is, is now, yeah. and especially I think of now that I'm meeting people that are sort of my age that are still so obsessed by music, and it's almost like, no, why did I think that getting older music wouldn't matter to me when it does you know and I think that's the great thing and now you can just you, you get people who don't care what, what I just how old you are or what about the age of bands are or the, you can go to gigs and, and enjoy yeah. it and, um, well I mean, you know as, as we were saying earlier on I mean I, I couldn't I couldn't get much more enthralled about going to the UK subs gig uh, last year we went to see Charlie Harper and realising that Charlie's 67 there he is on stage with his uh, tattoos and bleach blonde hair Giving it some, and uh, there's there's kids there's kids in the audience probably fifty years younger than he is yes. going, come on, that's right, yeah. you know, because yeah. he's great, yeah. he's great, and he's got great charisma. Yeah. Right, thank you, Paul. That was uh, it's good to talk about the sort of beginnings of your adventures with punk and. Um, in the next episode, we'll be looking at the sort of 78, 79 uh, period and going towards the sort of post-punk, your work with The Clash and The Fall and Joy Division, all that to come. So thanks very much, Paul.
Thank you very much. And uh, just uh, remember that all those terms, post-punk and pre-punk and past-punk and this punk and that punk, are just a load of old rubbish because it's all here and all now because uh, there are bands that are just doing the same right now in 2012. Good stuff. And Adam, thank you very much as well. Pleasure. See you next time. Good. Bye.